it's been a rough little patch here uh mourning the passing of our dearly beloved <laughs> uh i don't know what you're referring to her majesty oh yeah obviously we need to give a shit about that friend of the show Uh, this is a good time to remind our listeners that we do have t-shirts, one of which says fuck imperialism on it, so. <laughs> which can get you uh, arrested now. Did you see that? No, no, no. Wait, what? Uh, they arrested this lady. Let me see if I can find it. Is this the lady that Bezos tweeted at or whatever? Well, I don't know. No, that, that okay, that's a weird story, too. I don't, I don't really follow his tweets. Well, so that one was, it was a university professor, and she said some, she was talking shit about Queen Elizabeth, and Bezos, like, quote tweeted her and, like, sicked a bunch of people on her, and she, like, got fucking fired from the university because, like, they were getting tons of money from Bezos. Damn. Talk about cancel culture run amok. Coincidentally, she had met with Chris Smalls, like, a couple weeks ago before that, so, like, I don't know if that was the only reason she got fired. What is what is the reason? What is uh, who is Chris that? Small, the the union guy for Amazon. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, mm. <laughs> damn, I thought I was being cool by like not knowing a celebrity, but I was actually being a bad leftist by like not knowing a leftist. You're yeah, you're not being cool. Yeah, come on, get it together. Um, no, this lady got arrested in Edinburgh, charged with breaching the peace for holding a sign that read quote. Fuck imperialism, abolish the monarchy. What the... How can you get arrested for that? That's... <laughs> that, that's, that's like our slogan. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right? We'd get arrested every week. <laughs> Come to our house. <laughs> uh, you again? Okay. <laughs> yeah. You lot's going to have to find something else to put on the signs. <laughs> Can't really do a good Scottish. I'm sorry, listeners. That oh. was, uh, that was ab- abhorrent. You tried. You tried. Yeah. Those bollocks, mate. <laughs> my favorite. I mean, I've been just eating up the tweets, man. Oh my gosh! Like every time I'm like, <laughs> Twitter's back from my brain. Something amazing like this happens, and I'm like, well, I can't leave this hellscape. Um, <laughs> my favorite was the Irish like river dancers. Did you see those? Mm-mm. Oh, they do this fantastic routine in front of Buckingham Palace, like the day she dies and it's two queens and other ones bites the dust. And it's just, it's, it's up within hours. I'm like, man, you guys were fucking on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Very good. Uh, but, and you know, the, the, mm, the darker interpretation though is we can take our, uh, you know, you get as mad as you want about people taking, um, you know, pleasure in someone dying or whatever. Ugh. Oh, how bad and stuff like that. But the people who, you know, want to kind of moralize and say, oh, you really shouldn't, you know, and all that. I mean, come on, guys, give us this. Like, <laughs> we lost. Okay, this person did not uh, face any repercussions for what they did. No. They they were They died surrounded by their loved ones. Um, in peace uh, after having helmed an empire. It's the same way Henry Kissinger is going to go out. Ugh. It's the same way George W. Bush is going to go out. It's the same way that any of the rotten capitalist war criminals in the annals of our history uh, that are walking among us today are going to go out. Barack Obama go out the same way. Nice and peaceful and nice and easy with their all of their loved ones around them having lived to the age of 163. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, I think the big takeaway from this is is seeing that discomfort from people who like, I, 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 you know, another tweet I saw this week was someone saying like, a lot of people are realizing like how unpopular they're going to be when they die and are super uncomfortable with that fact. And I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it doesn't help when you just kind of like rub salt in the wounds on your way out. Like, oh, you, there's no inheritance tax on royal money. That's just not a thing. That's oh fine. God. Oh, yeah. And they're going to spend, you know, oodles of money on the funeral and the coronation and all this shit while people are like really struggling right now. Yeah. They're like giving people tips on how to, you know, provide energy for their home while they're going undergoing a shortage and shit ridiculous, like that. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. In their defense, regular non-royal rich people also have very effective ways of getting around inheritance taxes. So it's For not real. just royalty. Yeah, couldn't they have like <laughs> hidden that at an island somewhere? <laughs> One thing I saw that I liked was uh, Jacobin posted an article by our good friend of the show, James Connolly. Mm, yeah, I think I saw some quotes of his going around. Yes, it was excellent. A couple of choice ones. Every class in society, save royalty, and especially British royalty, has through some of its members contributed something to the elevation of the race. But <laughs> neither in science, nor in art, nor in literature, nor in exploration, nor in mechanical invention, nor in humanizing of laws, nor in any sphere of human activity, as a representative of British royalty helped forward the moral, intellectual, or material improvement of mankind. But that royal family has opposed every forward move, fought every reform, persecuted every patriot, and intrigued against every good cause, slandering every friend of the people it has befriended every oppressor, eulogized today by misguided clerics it has been notorious in history for the revolting nature of its crimes. Murder, treachery, adultery, incest, theft, perjury, every crime known to man has been committed by some, one, or other of the race of monarchs from whom King George is proud to trace his descent. Yowza bowza, that's good. <laughs> uh, and I mean, you know, that we, we've talked about this a lot all, uh, when we were doing the Diggers episode two, where we were talking about people kind of tracing back like, hey, where does monarchy come from? It comes from some guy with a fucking army mm -hmm. stealing from other people. And saying, oh, now this is mine. I rule it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just lying and saying, like, uh, God told me to. So it's yeah. fine. It's just robbery enforced by the state. It's been really interesting seeing who's deciding to show their whole ass right now in terms of respectability politics, in mm -hmm. terms of arguing, you know, like, oh, it's just a figurehead position, blah, blah, blah. Um, someone else I saw quoted a bit this week was uh, Gramsci and the idea of cultural hegemony. Because they're saying that, like, using the queen like this, like, is a form of that cultural hegemony. hegemony. That's hard for me to say. Cultural Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, um, reinforcing, like, a common sense of, like, treat your betters as better sort of thing? Or? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I didn't, like, do a deep dive into it, so I might be interpreting this wrong, but like, it sounded like... It's almost like a form of soft power or something of like, yeah. well, this this unites us and this makes us mm -hmm. feel like patriotic or whatever. And, and that doesn't excuse her, obviously, for, you know, the policy, which is what people were trying to do. They're trying to like fucking separate her from like all the shit the British Empire did. 
oh, okay, and saying like the queen was, or the monarchy is like a soft cover, like a velvet glove that goes over the the proverbial iron fist of like all these policies and whatever they, you know, they suck and you may oppose them and you can go out there and, you know, call the conservative prime minister a piece of shit or whatever. But hey, come on, let's draw the line with the, the monarchy. They don't have anything to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Like the figurehead status kind of lends an air of authority to the government in mm-hmm. terms of respect. Like you you have to all agree like, well, we like this one old lady. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. So I also like all of the Gramsci that I've gotten is through reading about him and and listening about him on podcasts and stuff. So I, you can't misinterpret it to me because I'm not a, a Gramsci expert. <laughs> I mean, you know more than I do, which is I read a few tweets. So. Yeah, but that's interesting. Yeah, and I, I just think this kind of softening, I mean, it happens in U.S. politics, too. Like, you always see people like the president's either the most powerful person or the least powerful person, depending on, you know, if you're defending them or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, it goes from um, the president didn't have any control over the economy, over gas prices, to look, look at me, I lowered the gas prices. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or like when you're making demands, they're like, um, they can't just like pass laws. <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, damn, he, he freed everyone from debt. <laughs> Ridiculous. It's wild. And OK, you know, yeah, we, we like to we like to punch on old Commandante <laughs> Joe Biden. But I mean, people did the same thing with Trump. People did mm-hmm. do the same thing with any american president is you just you know you can just play the person for for whatever you know mileage your political stripe your team benefits from you know and luckily for us or unluckily (laughs) more likely unluckily uh none of them are on our team so no zero (laughs) our team doesn't even have a jersey (laughs) we didn't get invited to the game (laughs) yeah we're we're we're, we're playing we're, like on a sandlot next to the actual baseball field. <laughs> now, you know how some stadiums are set up, at least our ours was where like you could kind of like not really pay for the game, mm, but like kind of watch it up from on the afar. big hill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're on so, the big hill. Yeah, just playing catch with like two people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's us. That's us. I got some reading done this weekend. Ooh, what'd you read? I uh, am about, let's see, about halfway through a book called Treconomics, uh, which I think I've talked about before on the show. Ooh. Yeah, I've heard of, I've heard you mention it, but I haven't really delved into it at all or really read much more about it besides it's like about, uh, from my understanding about how Star Trek, like how its society would work in real life. Yeah, yeah. So it's by uh, Manu Sadia. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing there. And yeah, it's about the economics of Star Trek and kind of how it's portrayed in the show and just an analysis um, based kind of on on both the show and also like the history of science fiction and also like kind of real world examples that help tie it together to like make it make more sense. So like I just finished the chapter on replicators and they're like, yeah, this sounds fucking insane, but like we're doing 3D printing now, like, we're gonna get there, you know, like, Mm, it's a very, like, in a lot of ways, hopeful read, like, there's a chapter on climate change, uh, because, I mean, Star Trek had a climate change metaphor episode in, like, the fucking 80s, so, like, good job. (laughs) 
It's more about the ozone layer, but still. And that one, he was talking about like collective power and the idea of like kind of game theory stuff, like Prisoner's Dilemma of, you know, in in that episode, they um, discover that warp travel technically is damaging space. And when you go at high enough speeds, do you remember this one? This is kind of later uh, Next Generation. I don't think I watched it, but I think I've heard of this or... In it, the Federation is like, well, the science says it's bad, so we're going to limit our warp power to like only under a certain speed limit, basically. Mm. And some people are like, uh, you know, like not everyone's going to follow that, right? Like the Cardassians aren't, like the, the Klingons aren't, you know, what are we going to do about that? And they're like, we just have to set a good example. You know, just <laughs> talking about how like that just would never happen today. Like it, that's what happens with climate change agreements today is like, well, I'm not going to do it because they're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the whole thing now. And that's the, the classic right wing opposition to it is, oh, yeah, but like China and India, they're the real, you know, they're, they're promoting, you know, they're producing the most. So mm-hmm. if they're not on board, then we sh- we shouldn't do any like you shouldn't do anything. It's your planet, too, man. <laughs> exactly. It's like your neighbor's not cleaning up his, his house doing, you know, doing any of the yard work. You know, fuck it. I'm just going <laughs> to let my yard go, too. Who cares? Yeah, but it, it's a really interesting read, and like it's at bo- both times it can be hopeful and frustrating. I mean, the climate chapter is a little more <laughs> on the the bleak end, <laughs> but I mean, one thing that the I just finished reading that I dog eared to talk about was basically talking about the political structure of the Federation, which is like kind of vague. We talk about this in our Star Trek episodes, by the way. But I wanted to bring it back because I'm watching Deep Space Nine for the first time and it's fucking fantastic television. Yeah, that's supposed to be one of the better ones. I I think it's great. Like, wow. Anyway, what's interesting is that this society seems to be extremely science-driven, facts-driven. Public opinion plays a role, but it, it is also underpinned by truth and the knowledge and, and seeking of knowledge, Right. Okay, yeah. And and he describes these like, in many ways, this is kind of a liberal utopia of like qualified to experts tell us what to do and we do it. And what I was thinking was like, yeah, that could never exist right now because this society doesn't have the profit motive. Like you just, you can't have clear and accurate science right now with the way it's structured. Yeah, uh, I get that like scientific advancement does happen under capitalism but it's really channeled in very specific ways not in like hey let's figure out how to feed everyone or let's like you know make sure that we can give housing to people and like solve humanity's problems so much as like let's figure out ways to bilk more money out of each other (laughs) yeah i mean the healthcare system is a perfect example like it's just it's a fucking racket and you know they're not trying to keep us healthy they're trying to get money from us Kind of on that note, uh, there's a, this was Monday of this week, uh, a big nursing strike that started in Minnesota. Cool. I love a strike. What, what's going on? Tell me the story. Uh, well, there was a strike uh, against 13 hospitals in the Minneapolis-St. Paul market, which is a weird thing to say about hospitals, mm-hmm. but they are apparently on strike for uh, basically like conditions, not like wages. Uh, the the union there, the Minnesota Nurses Association, uh, has been negotiating with like hospital executives there for more than five months. 
they're, they're trying to get demands in terms of like solving staffing issues and retention and better patient care. So that's what they're apparently striking on. They're doing like a three day strike. So I guess it'll be over by the time we do this, but like intentionally trying to like show them how hard it would be to continue without them without really like, you know, I mean, cause they are nurses. So like they're trying to not trying to do critical damage to the whole infrastructure of things. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never heard of like a, a scheduled end strike like that. Like I've heard of strikes that are scheduled to start. I just haven't heard of the other side, I guess. Well, I th- I've seen this happen in transportation strikes of various sort. Like there's like, oh, we're going to shut down. It's like a shutdown sort of. It's like, oh, we're shutting yeah. down the trains today or whatever. But yeah, this uh, this was an article in, you know, the reputable outlet of CNN business. But mm-hmm. like... I was checking around at the, you know, the things seemed to, to be on the up and up, uh, <laughs> but they were talking about other, you know, strikes that are happening around or that have happened recently. Um, there was uh, 2000 mental health professionals on strike against Kaiser Permanente in California. Nice. Uh, and in Hawaii, uh, basically another thing, uh, inadequate staffing, uh, depriving patients of care, uh, and, and, you know, fucking them up. I mean, and I was thinking about this like damn you know working long hours and everything being fucking fatigued like nurses do a whole fucking lot to keep people alive and they don't need to be sleep deprived oh yeah for sure Uh, i mean there's you know this is not the only one that's been happening so that mental health workers strike was back in august uh then a little later that was mid-august a little later in august uh Teachers in Columbus, Ohio, went on strike, and the school district quickly settled with them. Good to get that because because they were they were teaching you know in class overcrowded classrooms with that lacking central air conditioning heating. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, <laughs> fuck no. So, I mean, teaching is hellish enough without <laughs> lacking AC. <laughs> yeah, turning into a sweat box. No, thank you. <laughs> uh. And then, of course, there's the uh, the biggest strike happening now, or about to happen. It may happen tomorrow, per the release date of this, uh, the rail strike. Oh, okay. Rail meaning... Uh, who's like railroads. Rails? Well, yeah, but... Oh, in the U.S. Okay, not like transportation-y, like public transportation ones, or do you mean like, like freight, freight like, stuff? Okay, yeah. Yeah, like big rails. Um, I mean, it's just, it, it'll, it apparently will disrupt... Um, transit too i want to say i mean i'm sure those are related <laughs> yeah um but this is 140,000 railroad workers uh who are basically threatening to strike negotiations have broken down with their employers who are united under the banner of the association of american railroads mm, great um, <laughs> yeah this is I, I saw this in a jacobin article um by joe burns Apparently, there's no hope of this one. Okay. What, like this like, one's already doomed. Why? So, uh, basically, what they're saying is that Congress is just going to crush it if it happens. Oh, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> this is apparently what Congress does. Uh, over the years, Congress has intervened lots of times in basically crushing railroad strikes anytime they happen. In 1991, they they tried this sort of, it's a mirror image of this, is like workers were striking for 
uh, better pay, better staffing. Like they're really understaffed. And so that's affecting like their, like the shifts are having to work. And so then their employers are like introducing draconian, like attendance policies instead. Ugh. This is what they're protesting. Um, and that's kind of a similar thing too in 1991. I mean, I read like the New York times article on that from back then. And it was basically a mirror image of what they're doing now. And hours into that strike, uh, Congress passed legislation to, uh, basically tell them, Nope, you guys are not doing that. (laughs) Okay. How is that legal? Uh, so what they did under the terms of the railway labor act, which is supposed to be like, Hey, you guys have all these rights to like bargain and all these things. (laughs) Um, what they actually did was like, Hey, so, you know, we can do some more bargaining. So, it basically gave him a, an extended deadline and said, no, 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 you can't strike. We're going to bargain some more for a little while longer. Okay. But if an agreement is not reached by that time, then we're just going to implement the recommendations that we already made. So we're just going to ignore you. Yeah, that's something that, that Biden has already done in this time around is they, they put together a, uh, a presidential emergency board. To come up and, you know, listen to both sides and then give recommendations. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then, you know, the union has been like, no, fuck that. That's not good enough. But then it by this point, if they don't accept that, uh, if they don't negotiate something in that time, then they're going to be basically forced to go with that, uh, with the terms of that, uh, that board. So what kind of recourse do they have? Like... Let's say they they get that that ruling. Could they just keep striking anyway? And I mean, at that point, it's a wildcat strike, I assume, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Is theoretically they could, but these unions actually won't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the rank and file may want to. Yeah, but they're probably you know the union's probably going to cave at that point, and so it'd be up to them to wildcat strike on it. And that's you know the same time around they did it last time, and the, and the the vote, <laughs> the vote in Congress to crush that in nineteen ninety one. Do you want to do you want to take a guess at it? There are 405 total votes. Okay, I'd say 400 were like, yeah, let's crush it. You're exactly right. 400 <laughs> to 5. Oh my god, we only had five comrades in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, you know, in this article they're talking to somebody and he's like, uh, yeah, this this is just not going to work." Um, you know, uh this this will be crushed immediately. Uh Congress has done this basically repeatedly they, they've 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 done this over and over again i mean if it w- comes down to it at the end of the day if for let's let's imagine <laughs> let's imagine this um dreamy world where the railroad unions have you know the, the workers there have really been reading their marks and lenin and they just said fuck it you know like yeah you know, let's, keep said, let's take power into our own hands and let's let's you know build our own future and they just wildcat strike and they just go for it. Uh, there's always the precedent of national security in world war one. We nationalized the railroads for a little bit just to give them back. They would probably just do that. Yeah. And not nationalizing in the good way that we normally like <laughs> nationalizing is in like violent takeover. I assume. Yeah, no, I mean the, the U S military is going to run it. I think, uh, um, oh, great. Truman in the 50s or something like threatened to have the military run the railroads because of a strike. Jesus. That that number of 400 to 5 of in favor of crushing the union, they would never 
turn that against the company. Like they, that's an option too. Like let's not fucking give them a pass here of like that's how it's done. You know, like they could have always gone on the other side to say like, hey, if you don't want workers striking, maybe like don't treat them like shit. They'll never do that though. Yeah, yeah. The same thing with any sort of any striking scenario. It's like, oh, but think about the kids if it's a teacher mm-hmm. strike, or think about the patients if it's a doctor strike, or think you know, it's like, well, yeah, that does suck, but. The side that's refusing to make a deal, like there are two sides there. So what about the one who's not being asked to sacrifice like, hey, can I be at home with my family or can I feed them? Or, you know, why don't we take a look at the other guy who's like, oh, is my bonus going to be quite as big? Are my shareholders going to get quite as big of a return (laughs) this year? Yeah. And and in these cases, too, like the the complaints we've heard about, those would also help consumers, you know, like if, if you're advocating for patient care as a nurse or you're advocating for a smaller classroom size as a teacher, like that is what's best for the kids and what's best for the patient. Yeah. And even something like this, you can, you know, you'll hear right wing people be like, oh, this is just going to drive up transportation costs and blah, blah, blah. But like, where does the money that powers their economic machine come from? It doesn't come from the titans of industry squirreling away more money in an offshore account. Like that doesn't do anything to move the, you know, you know who spends most of their money are railroad workers. Yeah. Yeah. Like the consumer you pretend to give a shit about, like we're the ones that need that money. Yeah. Because we'll actually spend it. We'll, you know, quote unquote, create jobs with it (laughs) because we're labor is the actual creator of any sort of capital in this country. Oh man. Okay, so I have a question back to like scheduled strikes in terms of, I guess, more like work stoppages. How are those effective? You know, like I feel like you're losing your main point of leverage with those. It's it's not as effective because the bosses can prepare for it more and they can kind of hedge there. But like you're it's essentially like a demonstration, an economic demonstration showing them like, hey, this is like how hard it would be. I look at it as like the step before a full-fledged no-end strike. Yeah, yeah. It's like, bam, this is what we could do to you. Yeah, now this you is a demo. you want to negotiate some more. Yeah. <laughs> okay, interesting. Reminder, uh, often these kinds of strikes will have strike funds. So if you want to give to those to support striking workers and their families, do that. Yep. I have a random question for you, and I didn't prepare you like you asked me to. <laughs> it's Okay. Okay. I was in central Texas in the hill country this weekend, and I passed through the town of Stonewall, Texas, the home of LBJ. And I passed by his little ranch or whatever. I saw mm, some, yeah. some steers. They were cute. Anyway, my question is, was he rich? And we tried to Google this, and we couldn't figure it out because it was like, well, his dad was investing in shit, but he lost, lost it all. And we were just like, I just want to know. Oh, <laughs> I wish did that he was grow like a, up rich? Yeah, yeah. I wish that was like a, a, a tag or something on Wikipedia, like rich, not rich. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it would be like a color-coded sort of thing. Uh-huh, like it'd be a gradient, spectrum. You know, yeah. Yeah, here's, here's where he is on the scale. Anyway, was his dad rich? <laughs> uh, his dad, okay, so it is actually an interesting little story. I knew you would know this. <laughs> <laughs> um, his dad uh, was for a time wealthy-ish. You know, Central Texas wealthy. Now, <laughs> his 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 family, I guess they had come from from stock uh, 
They're like farmers and shit, right? Well, uh, sort of. I mean, they were more like speculating like uh, on cattle drives and stuff. So, yeah, okay. Uh, and they would make a ton of money off of that. But the problem was you were basically borrowing money to do cattle drives if you were really making money off of it. And his grandfather, I want to say, lost a bunch of money doing that. So like mm. he, he, he like, you know, borrowed it all to the hilt right before the market all tanked and he, he, he lost all that. And then his dad kind of like makes it back, makes it back. Or maybe it was dad. I don't know. But like his, da- his dad does, does a thing where he becomes really prosperous for a time. And like they're, they're living well and everything. And his mother like never does. This is from the olden times, but she's like not really being a housewife in terms of that sort of like taking care of. She's like, uh, she's was raised in like, a she was came for money. She was rich. Oh, okay. So like LBJ's mom, was raised rich and everything. And then she goes to marry him. Who's a little below her station. Uh, and she was like basically taken care of and had like maids and stuff like that. Like when they were early on, but like his dad, like lost it all. Oh, uh, fuck. He was a state, like a state representative and everything. Yeah. Yeah. He fought for like, you know, uh, farm to market roads and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and everything and, and to connect, you know, rural people like him. And early on in, in well, throughout his political career, he kind of identified with like the populist movement from back mm. in the day. And so he was very much like the common people and all this sort of stuff. He, when he went down to Austin, he would, his dad refused to like be bought. Everybody who went down to Austin back then readily accepted uh, beefsteak, bourbon and blondes uh, from the, <laughs> <laughs> from the Texas oil men down there and, and the, the uh, corrupt inser- interests and all that. That sounds like a fantastic day. <laughs> <laughs> right? But he would never allow them to so much as even buy a meal for him. Like he was, you know, straight-laced. Okay. He had his ideals and he was not going to be bought. And he just could not afford to live on that on the meager salary of a public official. Without taking the bribes. <laughs> right. And so he ends up completely broke he ends up losing his seat uh he ends up working uh, a manual labor detail on one of the roads that he had passed a law to holy shit like as a and and kind of as a patronage handout job to him like well that's that's sam johnson i mean like you know you got to give him a job on it wow uh linden they they grow up once it's past that point they're dirt poor neighbors and stuff are coming over with like food and like to clean up and stuff because the place is a mess because his mom can't do housework. Uh, wow. And it's, it, they just grow up in poverty. From Prada to Nada. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. I knew you would have the answer to this. And I was like, I bet Gray's going to know the whole story. So yeah, I just you didn't waited. have to prep me on it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, I'm sure I messed up a couple of details there, but that's just off the top of my head. Uh, Robert Caro's book on that. The, the series there it's fantastic it's um i mean it's just a straight list there's nothing leftist about it it's just a normal history of a biography about someone but it's great awesome okay <laughs> sorry my cat just higgins he poked his head through the banister did his wild eye stare around and then just yanked it back it was great anything fucking happening here <laughs> he's like what's going on okay bye <laughs> what a freak i love him oh. he's back Oh, what a good boy. Uh, do you want any more dismal news about the world? Yeah, of course. I'm like, my Twitter is truly just jokes. And uh, let's see, what else do I got on there primarily? 
I've, I, I follow like animation Twitter and publishing Twitter and then just random shit. So like I don't get I don't get real news. What is your okay, before we get into more dark news, what is your main social media interaction? Um Not Instagram. Like, okay, like it can just be received interaction. It doesn't have to be like I post on that, but like your main, you know, thing you engage with is Instagram. Probably Instagram, Twitter more and more these days just cuz it's mm-hmm. entertaining and in a fucked up way. Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, I, it's probably probably instagram though still mine is a weird uh, a, a shifting balance the old god was reddit but i'm kind of adopting the new pantheon of tiktok oh man you're you're with the youths i can't do it <laughs> i never post on these i just you know i just surf the the for you page on on tiktok that's all i do really but <laughs> okay so i tried tiktok for like maybe three months and the real reason i stopped and this is embarrassing it was cutting into my nap time <laughs> <laughs> because i would lay down to take a nap and then i would just end up watching tiktok and i'm like well i wasted my time that i had to nap and yeah yeah that's not gonna work for me so i stopped using it that's true. It does basically waste time. But I mean, I it was very it fun and I enjoyed it, but like <laughs> I enjoy sleeping more. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right. Uh, dark news about the world. Yeah. Tell me about it. So the UN released a report uh, oh, or like some of their agencies. What was it called? The International Labor Organization. That's a UN organization. Uh, and the what is the IOM? The international old bombs the international organization for migration also a un organization and maybe an ngo called walk free i don't really know who walk free is i assume they're un affiliated because the whole thing seems to be under their aegis but um they released a report called the global estimates of modern slavery okay Uh, how many people how many people do you think would be held in Modern slavery on every any given day in 2022. Oh no! Um, are we counting prisons? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think they're counting prisons. Okay. Well. <laughs> um. I guess I let's... could look at their methodology. <laughs> I assume they wouldn't. That that seems a little too radical for the UN. It does have a section saying state-imposed forced labor takes a variety of different forms, and it talks about like compulsory prison labor, uh, abusive conscription, and mm. other categories here. And they talk about imposition of forced labor and everything in, in prisons and stuff. And it says uh, one section talks about as a means of racial or religious discrimination. It says Pakistan is among the other countries where there, we have noticed the imposition of compulsory labor as a means of racial and religious discrimination in the United States. Mm. We've strongly encouraged the government to strengthen its efforts to ensure that racial discrimination at the sentencing and other stages of the criminal justice process do not result in the imposition of racially disproportionate prison sentences involving compulsory labor. I'm sure. I'm sure that'll work. Yeah, I'm sure the U.S. like very much listened to that and is really mm-hmm. taking steps. We're working to, on it right fucking now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> uh, but I guess that's somewhat included in it. I'm kind of impressed they mentioned it at all. Yeah, that's that's more than I thought they would do. But okay, what's your overall guess? Total people in modern slavery in any given day in 2022. 
So this includes people working against their will or people in a forced marriage. Okay, that's a lot of people. Uh, Eight million. A little short. Oh, no. Uh, The grand total is nearly 50 million. Fuck. I'm very short. 49.6. Fuck, guys. That's not okay. 27.6 million people, including 3.3 million children working against their will. Uh, 22 million people in a forced marriage. That's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. That's apparently up 10 million from five years ago. Okay, so it's gotten worse. Great. Yeah. Just, you know, since any time you, you know, execute a couple hundred landowners and, 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 and uh, landlords in Cuba, you get called the, you know, the butcher that knows no bounds and millions of people died under your rule. <laughs> we don't really say the exact same thing when 50 million people are enslaved by a system. We don't say, oh, look at capitalism. Look what they mm-hmm. did. Wow, that's horrifying. So I'm assuming this is what? Uh, sweatshot labor, uh, child trafficking, human trafficking. Yeah, so it covers that. 63% in the private economy in sectors other than commercial sexual exploitation. So it's only like 23% of that is is like sex work. Uh, the five sectors accounting for the majority of total adult forced labor are services, excluding domestic work. Manufacturing, construction, agriculture, excluding fishing. That's what it says in the report. (laughs) (laughs) Fishing doesn't count. You you can't, yeah, you can't force a man to fish. Um, Yeah, you just are asking to fish all the time. And and domestic work. So it looks Mm. like it's kind of from all over. Yeah, gosh, that's a lot. These include adult workers who are forced to dig for minerals or perform other mining Mm. and quarrying work. Fishers who are trapped in forced labor aboard fishing vessels. Oh, so they do include fishing. This is other sectors form smaller shares, but nonetheless still account for hundreds of thousands of people. So there are, okay. yeah, there are enslaved <laughs> fishermen. Important you fish. to know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the stupid phrase? Oh, I was going to say, do, do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Uh, <laughs> if, and if you fish every day, it's not slavery, it's fine. <laughs> Unless yeah, it is. Exactly. So uh, this is tragic. I mean, we're trying to make light of it somewhat, but it sucks. Uh the thing is that, like, when you see this reported in the mainstream media, which has just come out this week, and it'll get a little blip, but honestly, with everything else happening, it's going to just subsume. Even so, the people who take this most earnestly are going to offer any number of, like, neoliberal, technocratic little reforms to kind of alleviate this problem of slavery, which, okay, you know, like, anybody more humane than, like, the bloodthirsty vampire Ben Shapiro types are gonna agree is like a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. But you know, so like, oh, okay, like, you know, Joe Biden, Mitch McConnell could agree. Yeah, slavery is bad. <laughs> Get enough drinks in Mitch McConnell, maybe not, but probably not. Uh, <laughs> but all they're offering are just kind of these like little. Let's try to you know kind of treat Curb the it. yeah because yeah. like the only thing that will actually completely destroy what's at the root of this the exploitation of humans by other humans is abolishing capitalism yeah so i mean i'm sure it differs greatly from place to place is this like a lot of 
people getting into massive amounts of debt and that kind of thing and like working it off that way or, or something or like is this literally just like all right you i own you now like how the fuck does that happen i don't know the all of the details i know some instances that i've read about of people uh basically having like their uh, their travel papers like visas and mm, stuff taken yeah. from them yeah i heard about that companies will be like oh we're gonna have you work in this place and get them all set up and then we take their shit and be like okay Jesus. well now you have to work for us and you can't go back or just generally tricking people in that in some sort of a way like that into a false type of job and then controlling them once they're there are there probably your dead angles too I, i'm not really sure but yeah i mean like sure you could try to tackle each of those methods on its own or you could go for the actual source which is like people exploiting other people and people so driven to make profit that they'll just like ruin people in every conceivable way right and this is a you know a uniquely bad soul corrupting thing where you can actually pretty easily point and say that's a bad person they're enslaving yeah, yeah those are the else, bad guys <laughs> you know uh but like with anything in capitalism it's it's if they don't do it. Someone else will. You know, you can go after them all day. We're, we're going we're gonna to get these guys or whatever. But there's a reason, like, the, the world has legally abolished slavery and we're still talking about it. Like, it, it sounds like something from centuries ago, but it's still fucking happening. And that's the thing. Like, people will do anything to cut down on, on costs. Yeah. And if we put together a socialist project and we take workers power i don't know whatever we build something strong enough that's not like besieged by the rest of the world capitalism and we have a strong enough project we can put together some sort of like anti-slavery crusading force to go in they have something like this in in (laughs) in the pathfinder uh (laughs) universe one of their states one of their nations has like an anti-slavery like like essentially the navy seals but they're like (laughs) anti-slavery people amazing and they just go around freeing people like this. Like That damn. was pretty much like our first campaign. We did a lot of anti-slavery <laughs> stuff. Yeah, you guys are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We're just constantly killing slave owners. It's great. But yeah, if you hate slavery. Which you should. <laughs> yeah, you should kind of go for like anarchism, socialism, communism. We're pretty cool. Yeah, I gotta say. Hey, do you remember, I was trying to tell Kyle about this. Do you remember on the way to Longview, there's a sign and it says, end socialism slash communism. Do you remember what the end of that sign says? Because I couldn't remember it. And then there's a, there's like a stinger to it. And it's like, it's like vote Republican or something, but I don't think it says vote Republican. I can't remember what it is. Damn. No, I don't. I, rem- I, <sighs> I can see the sign you're saying almost, but. I can picture the typeface. <laughs> oh, but it's like, oh. a, there's a third thing with that. Like there's a. There's three no, things you're thinking, I thought. you're thinking of the back of the sign. The back of the sign says something similar, but oh. it's not the same thing. It says okay. like, oh, what is it? I can't remember it. Fuck. Okay. Anyway, I saw a sign this weekend that said Democrats are destroying America. And I was like, big if true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board. Good job, Democrats. Yeah. No, um, I just don't have a lot of hope that Comrade Joe will pull that one off. It's a big dragon to slay. <laughs> The actual great Satan uh. itself. I don't know if you can bring it down. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you're ever driving through rural parts of Texas, the signs are a hoot. I learned a lot about probably some fake uh, facts about baby's development inside the womb. 
<laughs> I was like, I bet all of these are fake. <laughs> they have they have fingernails. They have <laughs> they, heartbeats. They had a smile at 14 weeks. <laughs> they yeah. They wrote an acrostic poem with their name with their soon to be name. <laughs> oh, they have a favorite Bible verse at six weeks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't look it up. It's not. It's not a good one. It's Mm-mm. pretty. It's pretty problematic now. But it definitely is. <laughs> anyway, yeah. If you're ever, it's a fun game to play. <laughs> it really is. You can teach your children the ABCs on the way. I think they have like the that one's good. The something about repenting, right? Except yeah, it's Jesus. It's accept and, Jesus, believe in the Lord, and maybe, and then confess. Confess your sins. Yeah, or something. <laughs> A lot of great signs. <laughs> All right. Oh. I got something on that. Okay. I got a message to anybody who is looking to absolve your sins. Mm. I'm not, but okay. If you are, see a priest. Hey. Mm. Uh, but actually, no. So this guy, I was thinking earlier today, early this week, maybe. I don't know. I've just been kind of finding myself. And sometimes I do this, you know, I... I I will navel gaze about this is like kind of agonize over like my personal actions as a communist. Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. am I doing enough? No. Uh, (laughs) should I like be reading more theory? Yes. Uh, should I, you know, consume this or consume that? And like generally probably not. Uh, or should I like have fewer material possessions altogether? You know, like definitely, but like these sorts of questions of like my life versus my beliefs, I feel like a lot of us have this. Oh, yeah. It's easier not to have this if you're not living in, you know, the imperial countries. If you're like, you know, <laughs> you don't struggling. have a choice. <laughs> yeah. If you're in a protracted people's war, you don't have to ponder these sorts of things as often. But I don't know. I think it's like, okay to do like as a human to try to be in harmony with your ideals or whatever. For most people, I think it'll help you feel better about your, yourself if you do that. But what I think is. For a lot of us, we kind of get hung up on the personal because I think that what will really make you feel better about yourself is like doing something to join the class struggle materially. Find some way to support the working class, support strikers, labor organizers. You know, we were talking about mutual aid and strike funds. Do something. I think that'll help you feel a lot better than focusing in on the like, you know, because I get it like we are very defanged. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of what we can do <laughs> and, and we, we don't have like an effective outlet of really doing things. So we kind of have to turn to like the inner struggles to like purify ourselves because we can control that. We can try to make that more in line with our beliefs versus like the outer world, which is just fucked. Yeah. Yeah. So as someone who is on like publishing Twitter and animation Twitter and those kinds of like creative Twitter areas Mm -hmm. this is it it turns into a sort of media and and cultural illiteracy because we have become a society that's so obsessed with consuming the right things Mm -hmm. to the point where like people are missing the point you know like there's this hilarious i think it was maybe a tumblr post i don't know there's this post going around of like this teen that wrote all these these books and they like we're trying to cancel them of like because it has this in it and this and this. And we're like, yeah, those are the bad guys doing those things. You're not supposed to be like, that's good. <laughs> like, if you write about something, it doesn't mean you support something. Right. <laughs> and it, it's become like we think 
whatever media we consume makes us virtuous or not virtuous. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's degrees to it. Like, sure. I, you know, I, th- I think all of us try to be responsible consumers to some extent or another. Like, and it's impossible. We've talked about that to be like saintly in that. Right. Yeah. To the extent that like it works for you. Yeah. I think there's lines and you get to kind of draw those lines and decide what works for you. But like it leads to a real, yeah, kind of obsessive navel gazing about like what you consume and what that says about you. Activism through consumption is not really activism. Like that's not, you're not doing anything. Yeah. (laughs) And even you say like, Oh, I'm, I'm giving my money or not giving my money to a corporation that they don't give a fuck. Like they probably already made their money with like investments and shit. Like you're fine. And the people who you're giving the money to, like, okay, so you're essentially putting it through a couple more filters, right? So even if you're being very indie about something, you're, you're like, oh, well, this is a small and grown whatever person. That's going to them. They're going to they're gonna put that in a bank. <laughs> they're going to put that in J.P. <laughs> exactly. Morgan's like, hands. Like, there's no clean money. It's not a thing. And, you know, I, I again, like, I think there are lines. Like, I'm not going to, as much as I loved Harry Potter growing up, I'm not going to buy any more of their shit. Because, like, yeah, I'm not going to do that one, man. She doesn't think trans people should exist. Yeah. But, like... It's not, I also know that's not going to do anything. <laughs> like, it's just not because I know for every one of me, there's another one. Uh, there's another, you know, adult Harry Potter fan who's going to buy every single thing she puts out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So one thing I was thinking is maybe there's like a, uh, there's a gradient of stuff. Like, so, you know, you and I, not the most active, we may should hold ourselves to a closer, you know, to to a stricter account because, you don't have as much real world action. We do have some. I mean, like we've gone over before. It's like we're doing something. We're raising awareness. You know, we're talking yeah, to people. Yeah. And that's something. It's like, okay. You know, so you have to weigh that versus like your like weak ass personal politics. And, and, and we're walk. We're talking the talk here. So like we have to make sure we do a little bit of walking. <laughs> yeah. Well, the less praxis you do, though, the more incumbent upon you it is to at least... Mm, I mean, I see. if you're not going to do the other part, at least make your life right. Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, I think the earnest labor activist, uh, the, you know, communist organizer, the guys actually setting up the book clubs and, and starting the vanguard parties, those guys can fucking consume whatever they want. Like, they can <laughs> sleep real. easy at night because they're really fucking doing communism. Like, those guys, not going to fucking say anything about. They want to drink. They want to guzzle Coca Cola. It's fine. I'm not going to tell them about death squads. Like, who cares? Yeah. They they earned it. You know, nothing earns you <laughs> a quiet sleep at night, no matter what you're doing. I mean, I guess aside from like literally hurting people, but you know, <laughs> but consumption wise, yeah, yeah. 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 Like that, that's what I think should uh, going back to the top. Absolve your sins is really mm-hmm. doing shit. Is is the works, and yeah, maybe that's Catholic of me to say your works do it, but like. <laughs> do good things do you know fight for the people that's what that's what actually shows whether you're committed not you know what brands you're buying or what people you don't listen to because they're bad now i think yeah i think that's a good way to look at it i I think even within that i think there's a spectrum too because like again like we talked about you know we're doing something but it is Mm -hmm. just chatting you know it's not as i don't know and and i think about this like with my work too like yeah i make books about like topics that I think are underserved but like it's still under a framework that is like not as effective as it could be like if I wanted to like actually make change like I should be out there on the ground doing shit you know I don't know it's it's 
It's as much a message to myself as to anyone else is who <laughs> I was really thinking of when I did this, as self-centered yeah. as I am. Is, <laughs> is like, you know, you don't want to have to agonize over every one, little one of your choices because that's the only thing that, that's the only show, that's the only display of your communism, of your anarchism, right? You want to try to be a good person in that way, but you also want to like, go do something and organize and support people or at least go learn about their struggles and find out ways to help them however you can. Cause I realize, like also, Oh, there's like safety issues too. I mean, like, you know, you think about, well, how could I really be as effective, but like, how could I really most honestly like take on the system and and fight for what I want. And well, the answer is like like become a gorilla or like you know <laughs> join. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like go to war. Start the revolution capitalism. is the answer, and yeah. that's an extremely risky position, and not even risky because that implies there's some chance of success. <laughs> no, yeah. it's a throwaway at that point. You were throwing right. your life away at that point, so you have to like figure out where do you go then. Like what's 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 the step before that? What's the step before that? Well, I don't know. So I kind of think that like someone's going to do that and succeed. Eventually. I mean, like uh, Lennon's brother tried to do that and was killed, but Lennon uh, did yeah. it and succeeded yeah. after. So after however long, right? Stalin did it. And so many of his compatriots did it and were fucking killed, you know, and he nearly was killed however many times, but made it through. Like, I mean, like so many of, and, and Fidel gets jailed before he, there's a lot of failure, a lot of a lot of people who try and fail, and then there's the few that come through. So I mean, yeah. I feel like someone's gonna gonna be able to pull that off. Yes, I am not brave enough to do it myself. <laughs> Me <the> thing. either. <laughs> Ugh, I so, was just thinking, I'm like, well, if we're going with bro- like, you should die. F- you should be the Lennon brother, and I'll be the Lennon. But I'm like, no, nah, I'm not. I would not be a good Lennon. You would be a <laughs> way better Lennon than me. <laughs> I'd be too squeamish. No, like I can, I can see it, uh, like what people need to do, but I can't mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> uh, in one of my Pathfinder games, I play essentially like a, a diehard Lenin style revolutionary. Fuck yeah. He's willing to do whatever it's, it's, you've got it, you know, he's for the cause. Like he lives, he eats raw meat and gets buff. He doesn't literally <laughs> eat raw meat, but like, you know. He's he, that's his mindset. And and um did you watch The Expanse? No, no. Uh, I y'all have told me about it. I I don't want to watch it now because I'm scared I'll like get ideas and hints of what you're planning for our space campaign. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um it's it's over now, I guess, cuz they didn't renew it. So, that's a fun one. Um but there's this one character who they start out pretty cool. Uh, Marcos Anaros and he's like this revolutionary belter guy and he's like fuck yeah I'm gonna do whatever it takes to make sure that the people out in the asteroid belt are free but he's like you know kind of played as like a terrorist too but I'm like well I mean you know he's 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 like doing what he's got to do he's you know, like he's he's committed to the to the whole you know he's wholehearted but of course the show later on like cartoonishly draws him out as like a, a very evil guy and personally corrupt and all these sorts of things but i mean they did that in star trek too with major kira like she literally is a terrorist for the bajoran resistance and then becomes part of the 
Bajoran militia, like, officially. And mm-hmm. she's, like, the first officer on the station. She's, like, second in command, basically. What, a, a great episode recently was they kind of, they lost the station at one point. Like, the bad guys were occupying it again. And it was fucking fascinating to watch, like, how different characters reacted to, like, kind of the same situation they had had 10 years before. Because Kira was like, let's start another resistance. Let's fucking do it. Like, I'm an ex-terrorist. I know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then little cop, Odo, fucking Ugh. Gucci cop, was like, no, like, we got to play it safe. And, like, I'll get a spot on the council so I can, like, try to persuade them. Like, he was a <laughs> fucking collaborator. Yeah. And Ugh. it was just like, ah. <laughs> and and it, it was good because, like, before that, they had really been watering Kira down into basically just, you know, going from terrorist to... Like a West Wing mind. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, with those types of characters, it's like, I, I am 100% on board with them. Like, yeah, do it. Like, do the thing. You've got to do it. And like, I understand them. I just could not bring myself to make those personal sacrifices. Then I'm perfectly fine with saying like, oh, yeah, dude, you got to do that. You know, like... <laughs> family sorry doesn't have time for the revolution you know like do it and there are you know unique storms of people that can that can bring that about or mm, that are uniquely suited i guess to to meet those challenges but i think the problem is you might have a handful of those people who are like uniquely able to set aside personal you know wants and desires like that they also have to convince a lot of other people to do that yeah you can't just be one guy yeah, that's true. It's not a great man of history. It's, it's, I guess it's, uh, well, you know, we're just falling into, into what everyone's already said, but still it's, um, the forces of history will grind the people up to where they produce nothing but this, but, or they produce so such vast amounts of people who have nothing to lose or who have so little that they're willing to risk it, you know, that their future is so bleak that they're going to, to produce enough people that are willing to risk it all. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it gets so desperate that you don't feel like you have a choice. Yeah, that you that you that you kind of have to do that. We're not, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't think a society we're there yet, but like, no, I think we're in the big. I think what's shocking to us is that we didn't see ourselves as in the decline before. We were probably growing up in it, but as a society now, we're kind of stepping back and looking and so, like, you know, at least the United States, but probably like the the current capitalist hegemony is looking at it like whoa like this <laughs> i think this is falling apart what the fuck uh, yes yes um, but in in such a slow motion way like you know my thought is always back to the roman empire of like is no no one ever showed up and was like hey we're the visigoths we're in charge now <laughs> like unless you were living literally in rome and even then they pretended to basically be roman kings like they, they they issued Roman coinage like they did the whole. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they, they just pretended to be. That is sneaky takeover. Yeah, that sounds like a fucking bad idea. Our D and D would come in, come up with three drinks in. <laughs> like, oh, we'll just no, pretend yeah. we're the guys in charge. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want them to think that we're you know that we're bad guys. We're just going to pretend to be the military <laughs> governors. Yeah, um, but no, like the the real you know what how the collapse of the Roman Empire felt was people came to like maintain the aqueducts less often. I mean, look at our fucking water. It's yeah. brown everywhere. And and eventually, you know, that sort of knowledge of how to do that was kind of outside. It was kind of lost was 
and, and you just got further and further away from this age when people, you know, from the age when people built the things around you, which I mean, like, yeah. we're definitely feeling that. It's not that we don't have really the knowledge, but we don't have the like political, the resource kind of wherewithal to do things like that anymore. Mass, oh, yeah. Like the basis of a state besides like protecting like private property or whatever is like doing mass projects to again, amass more private property, but still like that whole like collective labor thing is not happening anymore. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and it, it is all, it's going, I mean, it's all going tits up, <laughs> but <laughs> like I was in an Uber and they were talking about like the features of their car. It wasn't a Tesla, but it had some sort of like <laughs> self-driving capability. Um, How do you always end up, oh, is this the same person or do you always no, end up in tech person. bro people? Wow. No, okay. different person. Uh, men in their like mid thirties just really <laughs> love talking about how nice their cars are. <laughs> Apparently. But yeah, he was saying like, oh yeah, like it's, it's crazy that self-driving cars are so controversial because like, I mean, planes basically drive themselves now, but like we have True. pilots basically so people feel safe. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense, I guess. But, and like the whole time I'm just like screaming in my head, why don't we just have trains? <laughs> that is a self-driving car. It's just a train. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Like you could just fucking take a nap. <laughs> a beautiful functioning train system. I mean, oh. This is something I was thinking about, too, this week is, do you think that we should daydream more? Like, should we fantasize more about, like, our utopia on a day-to-day basis? Oh, I was going to say, we already do this a lot on the show. (laughs) On the show, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I was thinking maybe it's a double-edged sword. Like, for some people, this would be good because it's like... It doesn't have to be this way. Yeah, like, I want to work toward making that happen. Like, that's cool. Like, what if we had this vast rail system and, like, we could go to Chicago and New York and and all across the Americas overall really fast and everything. Like, they do in other countries. Yeah, we could do this. It's not, it's not impossible. (laughs) And we could do this, like, pretty affordably given what we're willing to spend on other shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean... You could just <laughs> do a buyback program for cars and probably just get the money from that if you really, like, want get the metal from that or whatever. Even yeah. that alone would be huge. Or, okay, let's say we're going to finance this the way we finance any sort of government thing of just, like, borrowing the money. <laughs> mm, yeah, we could just do that infinitely. You, yeah, for one, you could just <laughs> borrow it. If you're, like, you know, let's say you want to play the responsible homeowner role and put some money down. Well, my perennial uh, candidate for government uh spending programs is what if we get rid of submarines <laughs> just just get rid of submarines does anyone them. still use submarines this is the thing is like why are they around like who's using them like aren't they essentially just like mobile nuclear launch platforms like just get rid of they them. are yes <laughs> just get rid you of keep them. scientific ones but yeah military submarines out out a hundred percent they're out and then yeah. um you can you know retrain the submarine guys that used to submarine on them and have them be like the conductors on your new (laughs) new railroad. (laughs) And there you go. They only have to sit around to like press the buttons and say, yeah, go the, go the predetermined speed. And there you go. That's it. Doesn't sound that bad. It's awesome. But like, should we, you know, cause the downside to this though is like for some people, maybe this is like infuriating, (laughs) you Mm. know, like what the fuck? Like we could have a whole, rail network system but no we have to fucking pay jet visa you know like it could be kind of demoralizing oh but i thought that was the point (laughs) 
not demoralizing is the point, but getting people mad, like getting them mad and hopeful at the same time, I guess. Like it doesn't have to be this way. And here's the fuckers who are in the way. That's pretty good. Yeah. Cause you do need like an, an enemy. I mean, you need one. Luckily for us, we have it. It's the rich. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the it's capitalists. Pretty easy. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking maybe like the despair of being so far away from that of like, mm-hmm. yeah, but look, look at our shit world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're both in the same camp of like, no, that's, that's like good. I like imagining the good, you know? I like it. Yeah. I prefer it because it, it also feels good when you like talk to people about it and they're like, yeah, that would be nice. Like you're on, you feel like you're on the same page about it and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, thank God it's not just me. And you're like a step and a half away from being able to kind of be like, you know how you get there. Mm-hmm. Is, uh... <laughs> and exactly. they're just like, uh, behead the rich, right? And you're like, yes, you were my you people. You got in one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the train example and the, the hoping examples are for me, it gets back to kind of what Parenti was talking about of like, Again, just being on the same page of like, hey, government should take care of people. Like, that shouldn't be a crazy thing to say. It is a crazy thing to say. Currently. Uh, historically, I think, too. Not just currently. Yeah, that's true. Because as Engels put it when when, when we were ta- looking at socialism, scientific, and utopian is where what is from whence has sprung this state. And it's to defend uh, the... You know, those ancient marauders who once took things and said, now this is mine, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And just bribing tough guys to defend their pile of gold. I mean, but you were talking about like how the states are breaking down again, like in ancient Rome. I mean, like that is very much happening. Like we can fucking see that. And you're talking about like the decline and how obvious it is. I mean, I think you're right. And I think... One thing I think about a lot, because like whenever I talk to like our parents about this, they're always like, well, you know, maybe it's just there's more news and like you hear about it more. And it's tempting to want to say, maybe you're right. Maybe there's nothing wrong. And maybe like the world isn't ending and blah, blah, blah. And like, I think on some level, you have to almost believe that just to get through the fucking day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like, I don't know, over the past few years, I've had to like really sit down with myself and my life plan and think, okay, what am I going to do with this earth that's dying? Like, how do I plan for that mentally? I had to make peace with the fact that like, my grandkids are going to be on a dying earth. Like the best I can hope for is that I'm dead before like my descendants that I still know are like still kicking. (laughs) (laughs) Which is really bad. That's bleak as fuck. Nah. You don't have to, uh, like, you want there to be a great arrest of the path of history as it currently is going. It's currently going that way. It's currently going to decline and utter ruin. And and these things go in, are supposed to go in cycles. They're supposed to go in the decline of a hegemon, the rise of a new one. But everything essentially is just trending upward. You know, there, there's, there's, there's little catastrophes here and there. Generally, the amount of efficiency we have in economics not just like bullshit economics but like what no, we can like produce vast actually. material wealth i mean like that's why the right wing comes out and says oh well every you know global poverty and all this you know they're, they're, and they're saying like oh but people have technologies and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, and and you know and you did you had like um you know the second green revolution and stuff of like uh of agriculture huge 
vast amounts of people being fed more more so than they could be before. You know, yeah, technological advancements. But yeah, uh, right. You know, now instead of trending upward, it does seem to be <laughs> declining. <laughs> yeah. And you, you gotta hope that while we through the rest of our life may see continued decline, we might not. And there's nothing to say. It's the it's the uh, it's the psychological traps of of, of um depression and stuff right of like i'm in a pet you know this bad thing is happening to me everything's gonna now start happening bad and and it's just it's gonna go it's just gonna spiral right catastrophizing and, and you have to be my like, middle name <laughs> <laughs> and you have to be able to be like hey hold on there's actually no evidence that shows that like the current thing that's happening is going to continue a trend and while there are a lot of that's actually a lot of evidence that shows that it's going to continue a trend for us right now going forward i mean there's any number of points in his in future history where people can step in and social movements can pop off and the littlest things. I mean, you remember just a little after we started this podcast, we thought shit was damn near about to pop off here. Oh yeah, June of twenty twenty was a wild goddamn time. Oh my god. I like we like Kyle and I were like we were having conversations like what what is happening? <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I lived downtown at the time. There was just, there was fucking chance every night for weeks. It was amazing. Yeah. And, the, you know, and the thing is, you know, you can step back and look at the, look at it and say, okay, well, the material conditions and, like, the organizing had not been done and the groundwork had not been laid and things like this. But there's there's nothing to say that mm, you're talking about generations in the future, like, people can do that in between now and then, you know? That's no, what we're you're talking right. about the slow work of, of people getting out there and saying like, hey, yeah, I drink coffee from the QT down the street, but that's not what I'm going to base my communism on. It's going to be, <laughs> I'm going to organize a book club. I'm going to start subversive meetings. I'm going to gather my friends. I'm going to gather people of action. We're going to do things. And that can, coupled with, if they're not just like doing, you know, hey, let's blow up the nearest thing, if they're actually like talking <laughs> with people and working with the masses and stuff, that can change the trajectory. And it's probably honestly not going to happen in our country. It's probably going to happen like it's happened historically in the weakest links of imperialism. But I think, yeah, I think because I think here in the States, like the thing that I struggle with, and I think the thing you also were talking about earlier, is like there's a real temptation to just kind of live in your in your comfortable life and say, I can't change this. So I might as well just enjoy what fucking time I have. I have a big fear as someone who's like thinking about having kids in the next few years of like, what if I get even more entrenched in this and I'm even more reluctant to leave my comfortable life. Like when I have a kid and like a person to protect in that way, you know, I hope that I'll go the other way and be like, well, I have a kid. I better fight like hell for them. But you know, that's unlikely. (laughs) Let's be real. Like we're little, (laughs) We're little, you know, primates that just want to survive, you know? Possibly, yeah, on, on one level, I think that we are I also... Just, I know myself, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a weenie. I'm a weenie <laughs> who likes nice things. <laughs> That's fair, I, you know. We ha- we all have that inner weenie. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, nah, that's something I'll have to wrestle with, too, is... It's easy to make the noble choice when it's your just your life. It's harder when there are others in the calculus... Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's gonna be weird. Dave and Dan, you've had a rough one, man. We're just jumping all over the place here. <laughs> They're like, I can't keep up. They're like, are you guys planning an operable like 
action or not. <laughs> you're talking a lot. You're getting so close to it. Okay, not to get them too horny. What if we make like a little baby commitment? Okay. Like on the pod. We say we're going to do one one action item for like the month. What is it? <laughs> I mean, it can be whatever. I mean, within reason. Like I was thinking like I'm probably going to look up uh, maybe Barrio Dallas or maybe um, like a food pantry around here or something and just like spend a day volunteering and like just see what they need and what I can do to help them. One thing that I find really easy is if you go to people and just say, hey, I, I know how to do design, they'll be like, oh, thank God. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so <laughs> I might just, I don't know, maybe I'll look up some orgs or just, you know, fucking go shopping for them and be like, what do you need today? Like, I'll just go get it for you right now, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's my first idea, but that's not to I say like it's it. the I like it. No, no, no. So, so let's just leave it open-ended, though, of like report back next time our opener for our next episode is next what episode oh well, yeah i guess that's soon isn't that <laughs> oh let me look at my schedule <laughs> what is our next news? that's pretty soon okay let's just do it in a month okay that gives me enough time to freak out about it and then put it off and then actually do it <laughs> <laughs> so i know myself <laughs> within a month uh so what this releases on the 15th on October 13, that episode, that episode or earlier, we will tell you what we did. Yes. And it can be, you know, as small as I went to a DSA meeting. It can be I, you know, helped with a mutual aid project uh, or I went to some sort of organizing thing. It it can be whatever. If it's big enough, like one of our audio will be fucked up and we'll just be like, I'm reporting here from from behind the lines. And we're just like, you know, you have a bag over your head. (laughs) (laughs) It's just Dave and Dan do the podcast for us. If it's that big, like we got him. Guest starring Dave and Dan. Yeah. (laughs) We got him right here. The other one of us has to interview them. Oh man. Well, yeah. So we won't, you know, probably not going to go that far. Like we just said, the weenie inside (laughs) us will not let us. The weenie rules my heart. (laughs) But yeah, I like that idea. Uh, commitment as Mao said to to understand your shortcomings and not correct them is itself a form of liberalism so we've got to do something about it you know yeah you're right you're right are we are we feeling like we're wrapping up because I have one final anecdote about Central Texas I think so yeah give me another antidote (laughs) okay Uh, so it's peach season I don't know if you knew this (laughs) I did not I'm not I have abandoned my animal crossing village village island um, yeah. for multiple years now I think. same uh they don't so. really do seasonal growing in there i don't think except for like oh, okay. pumpkins well, i haven't I played stardew in a while either so yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh, well stardew you want to put your fruit trees in the greenhouse because they're extremely profitable and so they'll grow all year long i never get that far <laughs> well you're just a fucking casual Yep. <laughs> Pro casual gamer. at a casual game. <laughs> For real. Uh, anyway, it's peach season, and in Central Texas, that's a big deal. Like, we got into the habit of every time we saw a peach sign, we'd be like, peaches. <laughs> and it was, like, a lot. <laughs> so, like, mm-hmm. every half mile, we're just peaches. Uh, but my favorite was, there was a peach stand called Angle's Peaches. So, guys, I found him. He came back from the dead, first off, impressive, um, and then moved to Central Texas, don't know why, and then started a peach stand. 
Well, I mean, uh, Engels is kind of a Friedrich Engels, you know, it's mm-hmm. a very German name. That is, uh, it is a very German area. I mean, they were so German that they, they went up in, in the Civil War uh, when, you know, I mean, Texas seceded and everything and joined the South. Uh, Central Texas, the Hill Country and everything, they were Unionists. Really? Uh, yeah. And, and they were very much against it and they were resisting uh, conscription efforts and, and, and everything like that. And uh, the Texas government and, and everything, and they had, they had vigilante like violence against uh, Germans up there. They went up and hanged a bunch of people <gasps> up there, like just lynched them basically. That's crazy. Uh, for, for like supporting the union. Whoa. And everything. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, fantastic German food also, I got to say. Um, I, I don't know shit nice. about German food, but it was, it was great. So <laughs> but, I liked it. But I liked it. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Um, also, final, final fun fact. Please guess what war there is a museum to in Central Texas. In Central Texas. Yeah. In Fredericksburg, there is a museum. It's called National Museum of, and then it's a war. Interesting. Uh, World War One. It's the goddamn, the War of the Pacific. Uh, what is it doing there? <laughs> That's the not war anywhere. of the Pacific? They just mean like World War II, like the Pacific Theater. Oh, whoa. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I didn't go in because it looked boring. <laughs> well, it's more likely than the Wikipedia's War of the Pacific, which is the Saltpeter War whoa. between uh, Chile and the <laughs> Bolivian Peruvian. Oh, no. Oh, this no. is one of the ones in open veins. Yeah, I know. I remember this one. That's not a good one. No, I, I'm pretty sure that Central Texas doesn't have the Museum of National it. Museum of the Pacific War. I'm going to Google it. Oh, okay. The Pacific War, maybe. Yeah, so it is World War II. Pacific, okay. Isn't that... Cr- I was, like, so confused. I'm like, you guys aren't even close to the Pacific. Like, I guess there were just a lot of vets that moved here. Like, what? Why? <laughs> Texas produced a ton of planes and, you know, I guess, mm. like, more material and stuff. So maybe, but... I'm just like, why wouldn't that be in California or Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, you would think. <laughs> yeah, very weird. I did not go, so. You know, I, I'm very surprised. Military History Museum seemed like you would have forced Kyle to go. First on my list. <laughs> <laughs> you know how much we love war history here. Yeah. Oh, all right, dude. Good times. Good, good shooting, Tex. Yep. <laughs> I think hopefully you guys all feel better prepared for the coming apocalypse. (laughs) Or if you're like me and you're just, you know, in your head writing goodbyes to your grandchildren, that's fine too. (laughs) But our remedy, maybe we should challenge our listeners to do this too. Listeners, if you want to do this, make a commitment with us, do a thing this month and then let us know what you did and we'll read them on the show if if they're cool. Yeah, chime it. Yeah, that would be awesome actually. Yeah. That would be super cool. Assuage your sadness with action. <laughs> yeah. Live your faith. Your faith being communism, uh, <laughs> anarchism, socialism, whatever stripeism you want to be. We're big tent here. We accept all. Actually, they had the the socialism conference or whatever in Chicago mm. uh, this past weekend. Who'd they kick out? <laughs> what kind of what well, kind of splits did we have? No, that was the thing. The article I was reading, I think it was in the nation. So, you know, kind of a soft mm. left thing, but, um, they were saying like, Oh, you know, it's, it's very big tent and, and all this th- stuff and lots of youth. And, but they were kind of saying like, mm, it's very, it's, I guess their argument was maybe that it was too eclectic, that it was like, 
what sort of direction can they possibly have because they're kind of letting in all stripes. Interesting. I like, well, I think we kind of have to <laughs> let in all stripes, you know. Honestly, yeah. I mean, yeah, not to get us on another tangent right as we were wrapping up, but, like, hmm. it's a good question. And, like, I've seen some organizations handle that just by, like, subcommitteeing the hell out of it. Like, it's nice because then, like, you get to f- choose what you want to focus on, but it's also, like, you're dividing up your power more, you know? That's definitely a, a problem to solve at another time. Yeah, <laughs> bookmark that one. <laughs> but, yeah, right now we're going to be ecumenical, as Tom would call it. And uh, What does that fucking mean again? <laughs> it's just, like, all the different branches working together. Oh, okay, just... okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, that's, that's what we'll... All stripes. All stripes do a thing do praxis it's good what are we doing next week next week we're going to talk about the 1954 film salt of the earth that's very old <laughs> yeah communist movie night we are going down to grant county new mexico uh we were just talking about strikes today this is going to be a dramatic retelling of a strike there it's supposed to be really good. Uh, listeners, if you want to watch this, Google tells me this is on Prime Video. Uh, my common sense tells me a movie from 1954, probably pretty easily found online. Probably, yeah. Uh, yeah, this was a listener request, so those sometimes work. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking at a poster right now, and the tagline is, At last, an honest movie about American working people. So that sounds good. Hell yeah, I'm here for it. Well, I will talk to you next week and also in real life. But All right, yeah. <laughs> we'll record it next week. Yeah, sounds good. All right, bye. See ya. I almost hung up on you. <laughs> Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.